Hi, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Public Service Psychology Now. I'm your host, Tiffany Fennell, and I'm continuing our special series featuring interviews with candidates for APA president-elect. This final interview is with longtime Division 18 member, Dr. Beth Romreimer. Dr. Beth Romreimer is well known for being one of the creators of the field of forensic geriatrics, testifying nationally in cases concerning the sexual abuse of older adults in nursing homes and writing book chapters about the role of the forensic psychologist in geriatric settings. She is also known as a national leader in the advocacy for psychologist prescriptive authority. She's a past president of Division 55, Society of Prescribing Psychology, and established herself as a national leader of the prescriptive authority movement. As the two-term president of the Illinois Psychological Association, she led the Illinois prescriptive authority movement towards successful passage of its legislation in May of 2014, earning the governor's signature on June 25th of that same year. Today, Dr. Ron Reimer continues to be an Illinois and national leader of the prescriptive authority movement while broadening her impact to an international stage where she is also leading the global prescriptive authority movement. Dr. Ron Reimer has held multiple leadership roles and has received numerous awards from the APA, Division 18, the Illinois Psychological Association, the National Register, and University Board of Trustees, among others. She was a chair of the APA Council leadership team and served on the APA Board of Directors. She is an independent clinical and forensic practice based in Chicago. She is founder, president, and CEO of the Illinois Association of Prescribing Psychologists, and she is the chair and president of the National Register of Health Service Psychologists. Dr. Ron Reimer is currently writing a book to be published by APA Press titled The Revolution in Healthcare, how prescribing psychologists are changing the healthcare landscape. Oh my goodness, that sounds really exciting. Um, So thanks thanks so much for being here today to share your priorities as APA president and vision for APA. Thank you so much, Tiffany. It's such a pleasure to be here and to be talking to all of our friends and colleagues in Division 18. Well, um, I know you're very well known and respected in Division 18 and and so I imagine many people will be rooting for you. But Thank tell you. us, such an honor. Tell us about your goals or your major goals um, for running for APA president. So I have six foundational pillars of action that I'd like to talk about. Uh, one, and I and we have to address this as we were addressing it now, and, and I certainly want to address this um, during my president-elect year and during my presidential year, is the identification of evidence-based and evidence-informed treatments for the sequelae of COVID-19. Identifying empirically-based initiatives to combat the pandemics of racism, police brutality, and to support all social justice initiatives. To use our effective scientific evidence to contribute to the eradication of global health disparities and to achieve health equity to promote global initiatives to end global warming. And that's becoming so so clear, if it wasn't clear before. And creating a world that respects and nurtures ecological balance to facilitate greater access to comprehensive integrative mental health care by supporting and strengthening SPTA communities by utilizing telehealth 
and other technologically innovative strategies and by broadening the scope of practice for psychologists that would include prescriptive authority to provide for the continued growth of an inclusive APA that ensures multidisciplinary, multicultural, and multinational APA leadership with representation from BIPOC, LGBTQIA+, AAPI, differently abled communities. Oops, I can't hear you, you're on mute. Oh my goodness, I just apologize. I've muted myself like everybody in this virtual world. Yes. Um, but it sounds like a very tall order. Yes. Um, very um, made big initiatives. Yeah, so I think it, it, so, so much of it is a continuation, <clears throat> excuse me, of what we are already doing, um, but I want to make sure we focus on these issues. Right. Well, you know, my next question I've asked of all the candidates, and it may seem silly to ask you, but how familiar are you with Division 18, just to be standard across the board? Okay, well, let me talk about that. <laughs> <clears throat> so I am a long time, as you, as you so graciously noted, I'm a long time member of Division 18 and have known and worked with so many of division members and division leaders, um, Pat DeLeon, Bob Axe, Randy Taylor, Walter Pank, Femina Bargese, Jack Tsai, and Clay. Um, and, and then you know, over really the two decades <clears throat> since I've been a member of AP since uh, 2000, um, so in 2004, when I was president of Division 55, we partnered with Division 18 on several of our convention panels. And throughout the years, I've partnered with Division 18 as a Division 55 APA council member on policy initiatives and convention panel presentations. In 2008, um, as, as, you, as you mentioned, um, when Walter Pank was president, I received, he, he gave me the presidential citation um, in recognition of outstanding support for the Division 18 Alliant International University Partnership in the RxP training of public service psychologists. <clears throat> and then in 2010 at the APA convention in San Diego, Steve Tolkien and I from Division 55 partnered with Division 18 and Mike Tillis, I don't know if you know Mike, but he's a member of Division 55 and a member of Division 18. He's a public service psychologist, works with the United States Public Health Service. Um, so we, we created a half day devoted to native health. Uh, we put together a panel of native professionals, including psychologists, Dr. Rose Wiaki, who at the time was the Director of Behavioral Health for the Indian Health Service, um, Dr. Teresa Lafremboise, a, a psychologist professor at Stanford, the late Winona Sims also had, had been at Stanford. She was the director of the Native Cultural Center there, an attorney, Karen Beastman, um, and then a tribal native judge and an attorney from the San, one of the San Diego tribes. And then we ended the half day session with a blanket ceremony and a tribal ceremony with drum, drumming, dancing and singing. And this was a coordinated effort between divisions 55 and 18. And then in 2015 at our APA convention in Toronto, as I, as I was president of Division 56, I joined with Division 18 and when Femina Varghese was the president of 18 at, at that time. And we co-sponsored the keynote address of Brian Stevenson, um, an American lawyer, social justice activist. He's founder and director of the Equal Justice Initiative and a book that he wrote, Just Mercy, was made into a, a movie. Um, he's a law professor from NYU School of Law, 
Um, and um, he also, he, he created the National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama, which honors the names of, of each of more, more than 4,000 African-Americans lynched in the 12 states of the South from, 19, from 1877 to 1950. Um, he's, he's just such a, um, uh, such a passionate uh, person and such an effective lawyer. He's worked with scores of people who've been on death row and have, have gotten them out of prison. He's, he's, he specializes in working with children and he is such a powerful speaker um, that literally as he was speaking on that panel in our, and it was standing room only um, at, in our, at that session at the convention, I had tears running down my cheeks and I could hardly stop myself from sobbing because the stories he tells are so um, searing um, about the abuses that um, that and that men on death row experience, that children experience, who, who young children who have been imprisoned, um, and he's there um, to to fight for them, to fight for their lives. Um, so um, so at, it, when he he finished speaking, I gave him the um, my presidential citation of, from Division Fifty Six um, for the humanitarian award um so it was um it was very powerful and it was just wonderful to be able to partner with with them in a in division 18 on that um and um and and you know, beyond that i've been very much involved in working with correctional systems especially in the training of prescribing psychologists um who work in state and county prison systems um pat delan has been so kind and he's often um asked me to contribute to newsletters that he writes and, and many of them have been for Division 18. Um, and, um, and Division 18 has been really supportive of all of our prescriptive authority initiatives. So um, I have, um, I feel very much um, a part of, it, very much a part of Division 18 and all that, all that we do together um, over all the years that I've been very active in EPA. I just think that's a, you're a great example of um, someone in multiple leadership capacities, um, who's, you know, kind of spanned across maybe all of our different um, um, interest areas or the populations that we serve. And even when you were in, you know, top leadership roles in other divisions, um, finding ways to partner with Division 18 in various ways. Um, so that's a great example. Um, and so, um, so of course, very familiar with Division 18. Um, how do you see the role of public service psychology in connection with your presidential initiatives? So I see the role of public service psychology as essential. Public service psychologists are on the front lines as we work to manage the COVID crisis, as we combat the pandemics of racism and police brutality in working <clears throat> to create a more equitable healthcare system. I am in awe of public service psychologists. Um, the work that you do to provide optimal health care within our most hallowed public institutions, including VA and community hospitals and community mental health centers and federally qualified health care centers, FQHCs. Um, we, you also provide optimal health care in tribal communities in the US United States Public Health Service. 
in the Coast Guard and to those who've been institutionalized for brief or longer term periods within our state and county correctional systems. Often working for the rewards of providing care to the most vulnerable, public service psychologists create innovative healthcare systems that benefit the most vulnerable, but really benefit all of us. Mm -hmm. So you give so much to all of us in so many different communities. Um, and, um, and I just appreciate so much the work of the public service psychologist. How do you imagine engaging Division 18 or its members in your initiatives? I will engage Division 18 and, and our members, as I always have, um, partnering on initiatives developed by Division 18 members or myself or others, but always inclusive of public service psychologists. I will continue to consult with Division 18 members on public health policy, on clinical priorities, on determining how to create more equitable healthcare systems. We will think together, we will talk together, and we will act forthrightly together. That sounds great. And you certainly have a track record of doing just that. Um, well, is there anything else you'd like to share with our members? I wanted to talk about some work that I had done in the earliest part of my career in the city of Tallahassee, Florida. Um, in 1977, with the support of the L an LEAA grant, that's Law Enforcement Assistance Administration grant, I created the Victim Witness Assistance Unit in the State Attorney's Office. And it, was this, it was the State Attorney's Office, Second Judicial Circuit in Florida, but uh, headquartered in Tallahassee to assist the, the victims of violent crimes, victims and witnesses of violent crimes in the criminal justice system. I trained both the Tallahassee Police Department and the Leon County Sheriff's Office during shift change intervals in how to work with victims and survivors of crime, especially women survivors. Mm -hmm. I was on 24 seven call to meet with the police and crime victims at the scene of the crime um, and or at the hospital to assist the, the police and hospital personnel in talking with crime victims and survivors, many of whom were women. I created a network of referrals in the larger community and I gave these important participants um, in the criminal justice system specific guidance in making their way through the system. Many of the victims and witnesses whom I saw were women and were survivors of sexual assault and or domestic violence. Realizing that there were no facilities in Tallahassee to which survivors of domestic violence could escape I co-founded along with three other women, uh, a shelter for the women and children survivors of domestic violence and served as the first board president from 1978 to 1979 of Refuge House. Today, over four decades later, both the Victim Witness Assistance Unit and Refuge House have significantly expanded their reach, serving annually scores of thousands of women, children and men, all of whom are survivors of violent crimes. Refuge House in particular now serves several counties in Northern Florida and maintains multiple shelters. So we started with a little house on a corner and now we have multiple shelters, um, counseling clinics and offers optional transitional housing for its clients. Um, I gave an invited keynote address at the 40th anniversary celebration of Refuge House in 2018. Um, and actually on my website, I have um, I, I did some video interviews just recently with um, the, the current administration 
uh, Brett Kuchels, the, the current executive director, the immediate past executive director, um, one of the uh, assist, assistant director and a counselor um, at Refuge House and one of the counselors with the victim assistance unit now that's in that's in the state attorney's office um, and also the current state attorney talking about um, how how we all how I started this program 40 over 40 years ago now um, and how it's they're both programs are just have grown so much and and are so much respected and used by the community. Wow, I'm just thinking how sad that that has to exist, but how what a legacy you've are part of your legacy um, of of creating that and and that it has expanded and helping so many more people. Um, that's got to be so. I don't. Um, I don't know even the feeling, but just make you feel so proud and warm and um, like your efforts really mean something because um, you're helping so many people and in ways that you don't touch, you know, personally, but yes. indirectly over these, these decades that you've helped. When I think about how we started and it's kind of the, the um, kind of almost the, kind of the classic you know, we started in our garage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, literally, we had to meet the three other women and I had a meeting in my living room one evening um, in 1977. And um, we said, you know, we really need to do this. And we've been, we had, because we work so closely with law enforcement, and they, they were saying, we have no place to take women mm. who have been beaten. Um, you know, we need something. And it was, and I said, well, here I am, I'm, you know, I'm director of the victim with this assistance unit. You know, yes, I, I need to be able to create this resource um, for, for women and children. At that point, it was women and children. Now it's women and men, as, as well as children. Um, but so to see that, that we were able to create it, that we were able to work with law enforcement so that they, under, they, they, they were thrilled that, that it existed mm -hmm. and we taught them how to access it. Um, and how to you know, do the, the kind of the warm handoff from them to the personnel at, at Refuge House. Um, and then just to see it grow and, and to see the, not only the Tallahassee community and the County of Leon, but so many counties in, in Northern Florida embrace this um, has been just um, very exciting. Very, very exciting yeah. to know, yeah. How impactful. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our members? I, I don't know how you top that, but <laughs> I, I guess I would just like to say that um, please go to my website, uh, Dr. Beth, um, the number four APA president dot, dot com. Um, look for me on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And I would love to hear from you, um, either through social media, through my website. You can also email me. I'm going to give you my email address. It's doc, D-O-C, um, B as in Barbara, B-N-R-R at, at gmail. So doc, um, B-N-R-R at gmail.com. And um, I, I am love you people call me and text me and email me and, and um, I, I'm thrilled to talk to as many people as possible and find out, you know, what are your concerns and what are your interests? And let's talk about 
collaborating with each other. I had somebody um, who had written to me just two days ago on LinkedIn, and um, she's a psychologist who's writing a book about um, political nation healing. Hmm. And um, she just reached out to me and, and we're gonna talk together soon on Zoom. And um, so it's an exciting process to meet so many interesting people. Well, thank you for sharing your contact and for information and your campaign website. And I'll make sure that those are included in the episode notes um, so people can refer to them. Well, thank, thank you. you. I really appreciate your time. And, and this is my first time really getting to interact with you, although I know there are many others in the division who have um, over the years. And it's just been a real pleasure. So I appreciate your taking the time to, to share with the rest of us what your platform is and priorities and um, sounds like very exciting things um, that you have planned. So um, thank you so much, Tiffany. It's been just an honor and a pleasure to meet you kind of in person. Um, it's been great to, to be able to work with you and, and you're just so gracious and, and generous with your time. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and I also want to thank our listeners for tuning into this episode. I surely hope that um, you found these interviews, these episodes with the APA president-elect candidates very um, helpful and meaningful and help you in guiding your decision-making. And be sure to vote in this upcoming election. It will be for uh, president-elect but and also board of directors as well. And the election opens on September 15th. So be sure to check your inbox for an email from APA that'll have a link to your ballot. And also be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that way you get the episodes as they're um, released automatically and stay up to date with Division 18 and APA Affairs. All right, and with that, I'll bring this episode to a close. Bye everybody, take good care. Bye-bye.